Welcome this morning to Community Church. For you that are here in the room and you that are online, blessings. It is a privilege to gather together. But let me tell you, the gathering together of the people of God is critical to the advance of the kingdom in your lives. I am delighted to have an opportunity to gather with the people of God because we we gain so much from each other. You might be here, you might be out there, you might be a mature believer, and you might be planted by the river of life, and you might have very long and deep roots so that you can survive a drought. But there's many around you that can't, and they need the company of the people of God. We need each other, especially in hard times. And so I want to bless you. I want to encourage you, if you're online, to lean in. Lean in. Lean in. Lean in. Don't just watch. Enter. Enter. Enter today. So we're going to worship God. But I want to encourage you. There's something to be gained today. There's something that needs to be released in your home, in the room that you're in, for your family, for those around you. Father, I pray today that you would receive the glory that's due your name. God, we say we want to give you worship. We say we want to worship. 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 Worship with all our hearts, with all our strength. Worship your name. There's none like you. There's none like you. Come on, just release your sound right now. Release your sound. Don't wait till a feeling compels you. Begin to exalt the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. You are worthy. 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 We break in the name of Jesus. The spirit of containment. The spirit that would try to surround and smother your worship. We say break free. We break free. We break free. We break free. We break free. More, 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 more. You are worthy. There's none like you in all the earth. I believe that we are on the cusp of seeing such fantastic measures of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And, uh, It is not just about waiting, it's about convergence. 
It's about people choosing to enter into what he has already provided. Because 2,000 years ago, the apostle Peter wrote, he said this, all things necessary for life and godliness are provided in the knowledge of him. Everything we need. Absolutely everything we need has always been right in front of us. And we are approaching the generation that will grab it all, that will enter it fully. Mm. I want to read you a passage of Scripture as we... uh, as we're in the worship today, I kept hearing the, uh, the words of Jesus when he was rebuking the church of Laodicea. And I heard, uh, he says, I, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot, so then, because you are lukewarm, And neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And that's always been a perplexing passage because we're always wondering, well, in what way have we been lukewarm? How do you define lukewarm? And I just saw it so clearly because the language of cold and hot sometimes doesn't convey the meaning. But if you go back to the exhortations of the Apostle Paul... He was always exhorting the believers with these words, natural versus spiritual. Naturally minded versus spiritually minded. And I believe these are the equivalent terms of cold and hot. We've been born again by a supernatural means, and we've been invited to enter fully into a realm that is supernatural. But there's always something that pulls us back to the natural. The natural thinking. The natural way of being. Oh God, we long. There's a a depth. There's a depth of what it means to worship in spirit and truth. But the church that is natural always reduces it to words and melodies. But it's much more than words and melodies. It's the encountering of a dimension that is spirit. Oh God, we want to lean. Lean. Let's lean out of our own strength. Come on. Lean. Reach. Keep saying that. I want to prophesy there is a cross section of the church, and you were born. When you were born again, you were born again by the Spirit. It was not obedience to the law. It wasn't reliance on your strength. It wasn't a commitment to be good. 
but you have receded back into a place where your Christianity is you trying to be better and better. You can't do it. And the Spirit of God is laying the axe to the root of that prideful confidence that if you just try a little bit harder, you you can do it, but you can't. It's a miracle. Righteousness. Closer and closer. Righteousness is a miracle that comes from above. Goodness is a gift that comes from above. Keep going. Lord, we're hungry today. We're hungry today. Lord, we're tired of trying to be perfect people. We're we're tired of trying to present the best front possible. God, we long for more of you. Oh. Come on, we're on the verge of a transformative. The world thinks it's an evolutionary step. It is not. It is a manifestation of heaven and earth. The very nature of God coming out of human clay. I call, I call out more in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, guys. We are contending for souls of young Christians that are mired in religious doctrine. And we're saying, no, no, miracle working power. Closer, closer. This is not behavior modification. This is transformation that comes from above. You've been, you that are tired, you that are weary, you that have put your best foot forward. This is a time of deliverance. This is a time. Oh, in Jesus' name. You know, when Jesus, I mean, when the Apostle Paul was rebuking the Corinthians, he said to him, some of you are acting like mere men. And sometimes that's, that's our excuse. That's our defense. That I'm only human. But Paul, he's, he, what he's saying is, listen, you're not only human. A supernatural seed of the nature of God has been put inside of you. If you are only human, if all you materialize is human actions, human weakness, you're missing the point. Resurrection power is in that seed. The very nature of a holy God. Of a holy God. Of a holy God. See, the Laodicean church, they thought they had come to a level of Christ conformity, of a manifestation. They had had touched that nature. They had been imparted some portion of it. And they thought, this is better than anything we thought possible. And they stayed right there. And they lived in that limited expression. What Jesus is saying, he says, I'm knocking on the door because there's more. 
There's more. There's so much more. You don't even realize. You used to be cold. Now you're lukewarm. I want you to be hot. Lukewarm. You're not even halfway there. But that religious spirit gets us convinced that subtle improvements to our behavior is everything that God requires. That's not. It's not a requirement. It's a promise. I want to change how you feel. I want to change how you think. I want to change those things that secretly rise up in your heart that occupy space that you regret, you you pray, you repent, you do things to compensate, but I'm telling you, I I don't want I don't want an offering. I don't want a guilt offering. I don't want a sin offering. I want you to believe in the power of the seed that's inside of you. Divine nature. Not mere men. Yeah. Let's sing that. Sing this. And let the waves of God's presence feed the planting of God inside of you. Now when Paul is talking about the end times, when he's talking about the final phase, he says creation is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. One like, one's like the Son of Man. One's like Jesus, who embody resurrection power. And every generation of the church that will stand before God will realize that they had touched a sliver of what was possible. And each sliver built on another sliver until the end, creation got what it was longing, what it was promised, was a generation of people completely transformed. Don't struggle in your weakness. Don't justify your weakness. Don't let a religious spirit shower you with guilt and shame. Repent and lean in. Repent and lean in. Everything begins with faith. I believe, I believe that the engrafted seed, I believe that the seed of the Word of God, in the same way I believe when I plant a seed into the ground, that that's going to produce the final phase of the harvest. If it's wheat, I'm going to expect wheat. If it's a carrot, I'm going to expect a carrot. If it's an apple tree, I'm going to expect apples. God said, I'm going to put a seed of the Word of God inside of you. What do you expect? It's more than forgiveness. It's more than mercy when you fail. It is a nature like unto the seed. Are are we catching this? Father, bring forth. Something more than human strength. Something more than striving. Something more than effort. Father, thank you for the promise that you've given us. Thank you, Father, that we can lean in. And that, you know, the disciples said, did not our hearts burn inside of us? Because something had been planted of a promise inside of them. And when Jesus spoke that thing started to glow. 
When you come to church and you worship, something inside of you starts to glow. It's the planting of God. That's the only part that matters. Provision has already been made for all the other parts, but let's feed that thing. And as it grows in power, it begins to trump every other desire. You might be sitting there and you think, I, I, I'm, I'm barely loving God enough to go to church on Sunday. Believe. Believe for passion that will come out of that seed that will overwhelm every other passion. You're thinking, oh, I'm so bound to pornography, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just leaning on the blood of Jesus for mercy. There's more. There's more. There is a power of the desire for him that can trump the desire for any kind of sexual fetish, any kind of desire for alcohol, any kind of desire for lust, any kind of desire for drugs, any preoccupation, any jealousy, any rage. There is power to overwhelm everything that seems so natural to your life. Believe. Believe. Now you think, I'm standing here and I'm, I'm not a perfect person. But I've begun to believe that things that have been in my life, things I've just suppressed, things I've dealt with, things I've repented, I am seeing them becoming overwhelmed. Something has begun to occupy a desire I never thought was possible. And the Bible says, pray without ceasing. You thought, wow, what a goal. No. It's an impossible height that you yourself cannot reach. But there's desire that comes from God that can fill you. Fill you. You spend time feeling guilty that you'd rather watch a movie than pray. Stop feeling guilty. Begin to believe that the passion for his presence can overwhelm every other passion. How do you get to the place where you can pray eight hours a day? Not by feeling guilty, but by believing there's a source of desire greater than the one that presently occupies space in your life. <laughs> That's freedom. Thank you, worship team. Bless you. You know, these guys, again, I've said this before, we have the luxury of getting warmed up. We have the luxury of entering when we feel like it. These guys are on the stage and they're, you know, ready or not, you're on. And so I bless your obedience, your faith. Thank you. Okay, I just want to say something. Uh, I wrote down a couple things just from the... Uh, just from the service, uh, well, from the worship part, and we were singing at one point just this statement that nothing else matters, and I just feel we need to take a minute here because uh, I just couldn't get this out of me, right? Let's all say that. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Oh, man, I want that to be true. Don't you? I want that to be so true, and I just felt in the middle of the worship of just this cleansing that needs to take place in each and every one of us. I want you to do this right now. I feel it. There is a prophetic thing here right now, right? And we need a cleansing where we get to the place that actually this is true, that nothing else matters other than the king. I want that to be so true.
in me, right? I mean, literally when I sang it, I could feel, I'm like, that's just not true, though. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's, it wasn't true. I want it to be true. I want it to be true for all of us. Well, you know, uh, it's interesting because uh, I have some notes here, and I went old school, believe it or not. This is handwritten. What's that? Chris Font, which most of you would not understand in any way or form, right? Written in a unique language that I only understand. But uh, I was thinking about last week a little bit too, and uh, I actually had an illustration God gave me. But I feel like I'm going to flip my message around a little bit because I feel like God's saying I need to share it now. But uh, just because of what Mark was doing there at the end, because it's just so true, this, and the declaration. I hope we're catching this, this deeper and deeper. You know, I know for some of us, it's almost this, why do we keep doing this repetitive thing? Because we're not there yet, right? There's a part of us that actually needs to get past maybe the sound, maybe just singing the words, but understand behind it that it really comes down to a part of our spirits that want to get so deep with the Lord. Oh, man, I'm not there yet. I just declare that right now. Deeper and deeper, Lord. Further and further, Lord. Come on. Deeper and deeper. Further and further. I mean, we have to catch this in our hearts in order to make that declaration become truth. Otherwise, it's just words that we sing every Sunday, right? Let's just be honest. It's a waste of time. If it ends, it words. Waste of time, 100%. The declaration needs to become truth. So I was thinking, you know, last week, actually, I wrote it down. Where is it? Mark had a statement, you know, and he said this. And when he said it, it just hit something in me. His statement was this. Where is the light? Where is the glory? Right? Remember that? Where is the light? Where is the glory? And this challenge to us as the body of Christ to actually walk into a realm, to walk into a place that maybe we've never been. Maybe we think we've been there, but he's actually saying there's a further place. There's a deeper place that we can go. And when we get there, lights and glory. Lights and glory. You know, and I was sharing a little bit about Uganda last week. I don't know, for those of you that weren't here, if you saw it online, but just the elements, you know, that uh, uh, they had some shifts take place in their nation because they actually laid down those things that they had made idols in their life, those things that they actually gave priority to, those things that they actually gave their heart to. They laid them down before the Lord, and something shifted in that nation. And this might be a really weird illustration to you, but I'm going to share it with you because it works for me. And I hope it works for you, but I just, there's something, we just got to catch this. I I feel it right now in my spirit because there's, the enemy actually wants us to bypass this, right? The deeper, he wants us to bypass it right now, right? It's like, yeah, let's go back to church mode now. No, 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 no. He's actually trying to get in right now. And actually shift something inside of you. Me, right now. I I feel it in my spirit. He wants to shift it right now. Right? He's trying so hard. Right? And so here's this illustration I got. It's a beach illustration. Okay? 
And I get this weird vision, but I'm telling you, man, it works. When you're going to the beach, right? Who's been to the beach? Right? You bring your towel. You bring your, what's the other stuff you bring? I don't bring it. Suntan lotion. You bring your what? Sunscreen, right? Some of you bring your umbrella. You bring all that stuff to the beach, right? You know, and when you go to the beach, I don't know. For me, there's a point. You go to the beach because there's water. And because there's water, you want to go swimming, right? It's the whole point. And I, I was thinking about this, and I just had this vision. You know, get this, okay? When you go in the water, you have to leave everything else behind, right? You don't bring your towel with you. You, don't bring, you shouldn't be bringing your sunscreen and all that stuff. I mean, you've got to leave it behind. But I saw something, and I just saw this picture of people who actually go to the beach and they go in the water, ankle deep. And they're playing around in the water, ankle deep, right? I mean, then they go back to their towel. And eventually they go home and they say, yeah, we went to the beach today and we went swimming and all that. You didn't go swimming. You went into the water ankle deep, right? I mean, you get people who go in the water and they go waist deep. I mean, they grab a Frisbee and they start chucking it around, right? They go home and they went swimming. They did not go swimming. They threw a Frisbee around in the water, waist high. That's all they did. Nothing wrong with it. But the reality is this, is if you want to go swimming, you have to go in the deep end. You have to get in the water, and you actually have to fully submerge yourself. Because when you fully submerge yourself, you can actually swim. And I feel this right now. Oh, man, I do. I went to church. I sang it. I'm telling you, man, it's not about going ankle deep. It's not about going waist high. It's about fully submerging you, and there's something right now. Don't you feel that? There's something right now. I feel it right now on the inside that just says, ah, ah. No, 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 no. This actually will shift everything in us. It's what we're talking about, the glory, the light. The glory, the light. Do we really want the glory and the light? Do we really want the glory and the light? We have to fully submerge. There is a cost to this. <laughs> There's a cost to this one, too. Okay, now, that's not even my message, though. Yes, it is, kind of. Right? Because I, I actually was just getting this picture. And the picture I kept getting was of the obstacles in the way of us actually going there. And it was one word that flashed so bright. Anybody want to guess at that word? Fear. <laughs> oh, man. Our arch enemy right there, fear. Right? It's the one thing. I mean, there's a billion things, but the one that almost was standing right at the top, I saw it so clear. Right? It was just like, you know, the, you go into uh, whatever, the haircut stores or all that stuff, and they got their open sign, right? That's what it was. I saw the words of fear just flashing, right? Flashing and flashing and flashing. And today I, I'm going to touch on two kinds of fear because there is a healthy fear, right? Two kinds of fear in the Bible, man. I mean, a fear of God, healthy. A fear of everything else, not so healthy. Okay? It's just the reality. Now, I want to share a story with you because when I was thinking about fear, I know we all could get up here right now and we could share a story about fear. 
right? All of us. Now, as soon as I started th- thinking about fear, I started thinking about something I did. And uh, years ago, I used to work with Ken Harrington on the drag lines. Now, I know some of you know Ken Harrington. Anybody else ever been on the drag lines? I'm not sure. I think Drew has, Cam has, Gavin, you know. It's fun, right? It's a little bit high, too, right? Yeah. So I remember working with Ken on the drag lines. And the first time I actually went out, I went out with Ken Harrington and Joe Billett, you know, and a few others. And it was crazy because it was in the midst of a snowstorm. Right? I mean, iron workers don't take a day off. It doesn't matter if it's snow, rain, or anything. It just doesn't matter. Right? When we get to this drag line, I don't even know what I'm getting myself into. All I knew is Ken told me how much I would make, and I said, I'm in. <laughs> right? Done deal. Let's go. Right? And he says, okay, but are you scared of heights? No. Who cares? I'm in. Right? And I'm not scared of heights, generally. And so, I mean, we get there. And we go through our good old safety course and all this stuff, and eventually we start uh, walking up the drag line. Also, I realize, oh, man, this ain't 50 feet. This ain't 100 feet. This is 250 feet. What are we doing on this drag line? I mean, we get to the top, and Ken gives us all a harness. I'm like, where are we going? (laughs) Right? Where else do we go? And, I mean, they have these wires, you know, probably about this thick, these lines, right, that hold the whole crane up so it can go and it can scoop, right? And so he says, well, actually on these lines, there's these blocks, right? You guys changed the blocks, right? Yeah, a couple you have. Mark's been there too, actually, right? You've been to the drag line. And these blocks are there basically to protect the line, right? They keep them safe. They keep them together and all this stuff. And so they start to get banged around and stuff, and so you got to change them. And so I remember that time going out and Hello? <laughs> it's Ken Harrington. That's not true. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, anyways, I remember going out on the line. And uh, because of the snow and stuff, it actually didn't bother me. I, I mean, and we didn't go that far out. We went probably about 20 feet out. We changed a couple blocks, went back, went home, did all this stuff. And I think I bragged about it for probably two or three weeks, right? I went 250 feet in the air, no problem, no issues, nothing, right? Well, he called me back in the summer. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, summer's easier than winter, right? No problem. So we get out to that same drag line, and we go up that drag line. It's a windy day, right? It's a windy day. But I'm a little bit cocky, right? I think we brought somebody new, too. You know, when you bring somebody new, it's all about, (laughs) right? I don't have a problem with this, man. I'm going to get on that line and show this guy, right? I'm not so scared of this stuff. And so I get on that line, and Ken says, well, this time we got to go all the way across the line. That's a long ways, right? And I'm thinking, okay, no problem. I can do this. No problem. And so I get on this line, and I start going and going and going. And then all of a sudden, Ken's doing something. And then uh, he says, just wait a second, right? And I'm standing there. And as I'm standing there, right, not focused on Ken, not focused on where I was going, you know, I'm just standing there, doing nothing, 250 feet in the air, looking down, 250 feet. And as I'm looking down, holding on to the line, all of a sudden the wind picks up, and I just feel this little something. (laughs) Come on, anybody been to the Kinsman Fieldhouse on those platform diving boards? First time you ever jumped off one or something, right? I just get this feeling, 
right? And there's that feeling inside. And I'm like, what is that? I'm not scared of this, right? I'm not scared of this at all, you know? Go away, feeling. And all of a sudden, you know, I look down, and I'm like, what's going on with my left leg, right? I'm just looking at it, and my leg is shaking. I will never forget this day because I remember the feeling, and there's a part B coming to this story. I will never forget the feeling of being terrified, right? I literally was terrified in that moment. Who's been in a moment? You've been terrified. I know you've been there, right? Yeah, I'm seeing the head nods, right? I was terrified. And here's the reality, right? Is fear is always looking for an opportunity, right? Always looking for an opportunity for us to let it in. Right? Fear is like a, it's like a shadow. It follows you around, nagging at you. Right? It's just there. There's many kinds of fears. I mean, I got a list of them all right here. Not all of them. But I mean, I got a lot of them. I wrote them down and I put them in groups. And I just want to read some of them because these are just some of the daily fears that we actually come up against. But I feel something today because I feel like the place that he wants to go we're not going to get there until we find a way to eliminate this. We're just not going to. We can say everything we want to say. But if we can't deal with this thing called fear, we're back square one, right? It's, just, it's the truth, right? I mean, let's look at this. There's the basic fears, right? Come on, just put your hands. Who's afraid of mice? Yeah, exactly, right? We've got people who are afraid of mice, people who are afraid of snakes and spiders, clowns. Man, I was a kid, I watched some pretty stupid movies, right? One of them was called Poltergeist. Don't ever watch it. Wrong, all about a clown. I mean, I had nightmares about clowns for weeks because of this stupid show. I mean, some of us have a fear of heights. My wife has a fear of heights, right? Some of us have a fear of the number one fear in the world. Does anybody know what it is? Public speaking. Absolutely. Number one fear over death, losing a game. One of Mark's biggest fears, <laughs> losing a game of pickleball to Chris would be devastating, and it would be just as devastating for me. So there's days. <laughs> Open up, Tri Leisure Center. There's indoor pickleball right now. <laughs> Joel, we won't even say what he said. Okay, it's not worth it. And then we got some of these other ones. Okay, some of you have done this, jumping off a cliff or bungee jumping. Who's been in that realm? I mean, again, th- those are things, right? It just, there's something that develops in you, this massive fear at first, that moment where something comes up and it wants to own you and you have to break that, right? And you just jump. I've done all that stuff too. You know, I remember those feelings. And then there's some of these ones, having kids. Anybody have a fear of that one? Nobody. Good for you. I sure did. I remember when my wife told me she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Gavin? Come on. First, oh, good. That's awesome, honey. Right? Give her a big hug. Oh, it's the best thing in the world. Let's call our parents. Yes, let's do that. Right? I'm thinking to myself, what, did, what just happened? 
I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change a diaper. I mean, fear comes in in different ways. I mean, there's other ones. We got evangelism, right? I, I'm sorry. I'm going to do my little thing on evangelism here because then we rationalize why we don't have to evangelize because we're actually giving into a fear. I'm sorry. That's all it is. It's a fear that needs to be overcome. That's all it is, right? Instead of rationalizing why I shouldn't do it, break the fear, right? And there's a way of doing it, and that's what we're trying to talk about today, getting closer to the Father. Here's some other ones now. These are the ones that are a little more sensitive, and we don't like talking about them. Fear being alone. A lot of people going through that one right now. Fear of losing everything we've gained. Money. <laughs> oh, it's there. It's definitely there. Being rejected. That's one of the number one fears in the world. Being rejected by people. Losing what's important to us. Losing our job. Losing our reputation. Health. Losing our families. Death. Here's a big one for church people. My kids making bad choices and leaving their faith. Right? I mean, this stuff haunts us. Debilitates us. Tries to drag us down into a pit that we cannot get out from. Right? Fear has one goal. To get you fully focused on your circumstances. To get you fully focused on what's in front of you right now. Because as soon as you do that, what are you not doing? Right? It's true. It's what fear does. Paralyzes, depresses, pushes you down. Ultimate goal is to control you. Control you. To get you to stop worshiping God. To get you to stop calling on his name. I can't go to church today. You don't know what's going on in my household. <laughs> you better get to church today if something's going on in your household. It's true. We need to actually honor what the Scripture says in Hebrews 12 too, right? And here's what it says. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, here's the reality, because the other fear is this. It's a godly fear. A worldly fear actually leaves when we start to have a godly fear. It's true. That's a question for all of us. I'm not sure we're in that realm where we actually have a godly fear. But that's what he wants. Well, what is a godly fear? I, I just thinking about this, it's, it's almost a reverence for his majesty, for his power, a willingness to serve whenever he speaks, and a willingness to trust whatever he's asked us to do, regardless of what it is. I want to read a couple scriptures to you. I want you to get these ones in your head. This comes out of Psalms 34. And if there's a scripture for text, this is it right here, okay? Psalms 34, 4 says this. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, 
and he delivered me from all my fears. <laughs> Let's read this again, all right? Because again, this is the problem. We isolate when we have fear. We try to hide from one another when we have fear, right? Sometimes we don't even want to tell anybody else about it, but there's one solution to fear, and it tells us right here again. It says, I sought the Lord. Come on, let's get that. I sought the Lord. Sought him. Every single thing in me, every fiber of my being, I sought the Lord. I was willing to get into the deep end with him permanently. I sought the Lord, and he answered and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 7 says this. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those. Ready for it? Is it up? Oh, it's already there, so you guys get to see it. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Pa! I want a healthy fear of the Lord. His angels encamp around those who fear him. Man, oh man, that's good. Right? Verse 8 says this, So taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Right? <laughs> Not just when we're having a bad day. Right? Verse 9 says this. It says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, I, there is no what? There is no want. I've got to read that one again because I'm telling you, it's not fully what I'm focused on, but I'm telling you there's such a power behind this scripture. There really is because there is a want in all of us. And this want is talking about the things of the world. Right? I want that, I want that gone, <laughs> right? I want that gone. Where that want, money, fame, popularity, doesn't matter, useless. I want it gone. I want it gone. All those other wants, I want it gone, right? None of it. Proverbs 14.6 says this. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. Let me tell you part two of this story with the drag lines. When I was on that line, and my legs were shaking like this, I remember Ken Harrington looking over at me, right? And Ken says this, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. He's like, well, come here. And I said, I can't. Why not? I'm like, my legs are shaking. Okay, we'll come here anyway. I can't, as I'm gripping on to this rope, right? And Ken is looking at me going, come on, Chris, let's go. We got work to do. I'm like, Ken, I, I just can't do it, right? I, I literally, I don't know if you've been in that moment. It was just, like, just the shaking, the fear, it, it, it had me. You fully had me in that moment. Well, then Ken did something. <laughs> Those of you who know Ken, you probably know what he did. He did not start jumping up and down on the line. If he did that, that would be a problem. <laughs> Ken Harrington looked at me and he said this. Get over here right now! I'm not paying you to sit on that line and do nothing! Get over here now! Sorry. When he did that, okay, I did this. <laughs> Boom! I was there in a heartbeat. I was right beside him, right? He said, good, now grab that and fix that now. I grabbed it and I started fixing whatever he told me to do. 
And all of a sudden, an hour goes by, two hours goes by, three hours, eight hours, ten hours goes by. I didn't notice a thing. (laughs) The fear of Ken Harrington. (laughs) It's true. Ken said something to me. I wrote it down here. Hold on. He said this, while laughing. I figured your fear of me would supersede your fear of everything else. (laughs) Get this in your heads. Seriously. Get this in your heads. Right? I did not see 250 feet anymore. I did not feel the wind anymore. I felt nothing. I did my job. I was in the safest place I possibly, possibly could be. That's the problem with fear. Again, it takes you and it gets you looking at your circumstances, looking at your circumstances, looking at your circumstances, and boom, paralyzed. Done. I mean, that is what he is doing to the church. Oh, my goodness, I just, oh, that one just angers me so much. Because I feel it right now. I just feel like God's saying, if the church rises, man, this is all done. Right? It's all done. Boom. All of it. This is back to that Uganda story. It's not waiting on the world. It's waiting on us. Right? We have to figure this out, God. Show us. Show us. Show us. Show us. Show us. Show us. Psalms 112.1. Listen to this. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Ready for the next part? How joyful... Are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Yes, Ben, joyful. 100%. Let me read that again. Because we normally don't combine the word joy with the word fear. We should. Because there's one fear we should be focused on. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. His commands. <laughs> when you're fully in the Lord, your fear of Him supersedes everything else. Everything. See, this is what is being fought for here. Right? And He's not just talking about Sunday. This is the thing. Sometimes we contribute to what Mark's saying, and we, we think He's talking about two hours on Sunday. Or when we go to a gallery, and when we go to that, he's not talking about that. He's talking about your life. Every moment of every day. Everything fully submerged in the Lord. Given to him. Because he's our king. It's true. I I think of, where's our time at? we still got some time. Uh, Think of Peter. I think of this a lot. Peter uh, is in a boat. There's a storm. He sees Jesus coming, right? He's scared. You know, and then, you know, Jesus is there, and Jesus says, it's me. If it's you, call me out, Lord. And, of course, he says, okay. And what does he do? He steps out of the boat, and he starts to what? He starts to walk on the water when he's focused on the Lord. And then all of a sudden, what does he do? He focuses on his circumstances. Bloop. That's it. I'm sorry. If we do this, that's the reality. We sink. 
He'll save us. That's just who he is. He's so good. He's done it to all of us time and time and time and time again. But there's a part of him saying, I'm waiting for you guys to get up, to keep going. Let's go. Let's go with him. Let's focus on him. When we do that, I mean, everything begins to change. Let me tell you what fear wants to do. It wants us to sit idle. It wants us to do nothing, right? That's what it wants us to do. I looked up the word idle. Here's what it means. Without purpose. Pointless. Lazy. And here's what it actually, it actually says this. Spend time doing nothing. That's what fear does. It grabs you and it shuts you down. No way. We're not going to let that happen. Here's what 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says. It says, Tell us to warn those who are idle. Because <laughs> it kills us. Right? It does. It actually kills us. I want to read something to you. You guys okay with that? Just an illustration on fear. I read it uh, by... i got to take my glasses off for this part. John Piper. Anybody read his stuff? This is some stuff by John Piper, and I thought he just got, gave us a good illustration about fear. So let me read this to you. It says, fearing God is like being caught in a storm. You find a safe place, but you're still in fear of the mighty storm around you. You can sense its power. When storms go by, we almost watch them with a trembling pleasure. Right? That's good. And he says this. At first, there was that, there, at first there was the fear that this terrible storm, this terrible and awesome terrain might claim your life. But then you found a refuge and gained the hope that you would be safe. But not everything in the feeling vanished, this feeling called fear, from your heart. Only the life-threatening part. There remained the trembling, the awe, the wonder, the feeling that you were never, the feeling that you would never want to tangle with such a storm or be the adversary, adver, say it for me, adversary, thank you very much, of such a power. The fear of God is what is left of the storm when you have a safe place to watch right in the middle of it. Oh, the thrill of being here in the center of the awful power, the mighty power of God, yet protected by God himself. The fear of the Lord is to be like the disciples who feared for their lives in the midst of a terrible storm at sea, but after seeing Jesus calm the storm with just his words, they stood in awe, and they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the winds and the, the wind and the sea obey him. And then I want to give you a quote, one last one, from the Chronicles of Narnia, from Mr. Beaver. You guys watch the show? Read the book? Here was his statement. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Man. Oh, I think we've all been like the disciples. 
We've been in the boat, scared for our lives. And here's the reality. If we can fully embrace him, fully run after him with everything in us, that fear will begin to disappear. It just fades. When we fully get in line with the Father, when we fully dive in to what we're trying to accomplish and do here, when he speaks, we listen. I mean, that fear just begins to fade. You're not going to be thinking about your finances anymore. You're not going to be thinking about your bills anymore. You're not going to be thinking of all that stuff the world wants you fully focused on. It's just him. It's just him, right? We have to do this for the sake of our world, for the sake of our nation. Here's what we have to find a way to do. Leave everything else behind and actually just say, I'm, I'm finding a way to get there. I get distracted a lot. My fears creep in. But I'm finding a way to get there. And I mean, all it means is you got to start trying. Start clawing your way to the front. Start doing what you have to do. I mean, I just feel it in me right now. Everything in me, every ounce of it, I have to fight all that stuff and get fully, fully in line with my Father. So right now as we worship, I don't know, I don't know your journey, but I know this. Let's get through this stuff. Let's give him everything for the next five minutes, but it doesn't end there. Every moment of every day. Let's worship. Yeah, I love the illustration of what it took for Chris to turn. And, and uh, there's always two options. We started with that in the worship. Natural, the spiritual. The fear of man, the fear of God. The fear that is greater will determine your direction. Except that when you fear God, the resulting fruit is joy. Not terror, not trepidation, not para, paralytic stance. Joy. But it does take sometimes a shock. You know, it says that uh, when it talks about the discipline of God, it said we, we feared our fathers enough to compel that we would turn and do what they required, what they asked rather than what we wanted to do. A friend of mine had a t-shirt, said, I yell because I care. <laughs> In this case, that father figure commanded with a yell, obedience. You know, sometimes that's, what we, that's the only thing we'll respond to. It is a manifestation of love when it's not purely impatience. <laughs> When it's not purely annoyance, and sometimes as fathers it can be that. But there, there is a sternness that comes from our Father that we require but because it creates an orientation around Him. Because fear will steal from you.
It will steal everything you have. It will reduce you to a smaller and smaller footprint. It will reduce you to a, a bag walking around city without a home, without a job, without an existence. It will, it will lock you in to mere seconds and able to think about next year, next month, next week. Fear will contract your world into a tiny little space of self-preservation second by second. But the fear of God releases you to destiny. The, the fear of God releases you to purpose. So, Father, we say today, as we close, we want the fear of you that gives us the strength to enter into destiny and purpose. It gives us the strength to see ourselves in the context of eternity and not just scrambling for survival in the moment. Father, bring us in to the fear of you that liberates our souls, we pray. In Jesus' name. Let's deal with the fears. Let's, let's not justify fears. Let's not obey fears. Let's recognize them and begin to work against them. You know, the, a lot of that commercial said, oh, obey your thirst. You know, a lot of these sports commercials, right? Obey your thirst. Obey what will lead you to freedom. Amen.